Friends and lovers of ill repute, rouge up both sets of cheeks, spray your pheromones into the wind, and voulez-vous coucher avec moi? Parce que c'est temps du docteur today. Welcome back, I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are feckless momes. And this, my lovers, is Talk Told to Me. A scantily clad dance party in the red light district of Prague Rock, in which nubile Nick and open for business Omen will shake what our mamas gave us to every single song that randy rock band Jethro Tull has ever whispered into your ear. We will flaunt our assets along with working girl guitarist Florian Opale, show our hussy humps next to the coquettish John O'Hara, and let Daddy Goodyear pluck our G-strings. <laughs> and if we can paint our jeans on tight enough, we may just get five minutes alone with the bod of Blackpool, the pimped-out piper, the fluted fancy man, Ian, ask me that again, Anderson. So, so when you say we're going to shake what our mamas gave us, I'm going to shake crippling guilt. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is ask me that again? What is that a reference to? Just tell. It's just like it felt like something that a pimp might say. Oh, ask ask me that again to my face. Ask me that to my pimp stick. <laughs> I guess right. Yeah, that's what I call my shifter in the abart. Oh, the pimp stick. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I'm putting my pimp stick into third gear. I guess I'm using my pimp stick to put myself into third. Nick, welcome back. Here we have another fine episode of Talk Tall to Me. That we do. Fun for the whole family. What is it today that we are octaying alte about a? So this is actually, believe it or not, we are halfway through the album. How did that happen? I don't know. It, it went really quick. It's because we've been doing, we've been recording two episodes a week, which makes it very quick for us. So we are on track number six out of 12. We are on Sad City Sisters. I'm sad already. About those city sisters? About those city sisters. Yeah. Shall we have a, shall we have a listen? Let's, let's give it an oral gander, shall we? Oh, yes. <laughs> Well, Nick, there we have Sad City Sisters. There it is, the second single slash video to drop from the Zealot Gene. Yes. Falls into our fairly standard roughly three and a half minutes that we've seen fairly regularly on this album. They're all kind of bite-sized. Yeah, they are, which is catches me off guard sometimes. And we do have some songs that are a little bit longer, more what I think of as typical tall length. Correct, yeah. But yeah, no, there are some very manageable songs on this album. Yeah. I'm wondering if, well, I mean, obviously this was a single, so we're thinking bite-sized, consumable. I'm wondering what we're going to see for Rock Flute, if we're going to see some bigger ones. Just the idea of like the Viking and the Norse mythology thing. Yeah, yeah. Leads one to think of a longer piece. How long was Gap? 
I don't think it was that long just because it's, it's a single, you know? I don't think that they, they're not looking to drop a six minute, seven minute song. Uh, 350. There you go. Just under four, yeah. Mm. Nick, let's talk about the music for this song, Sad City Sisters. Sure, 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 sure. Very light and delightful compared to some of the other stuff we've been hearing leading up to this point. Right out of the gate, mandolin and accordion. Mm. The accordion is our guide through this song. I am fairly certain there is not a drop of electric guitar in this whole song. No, we're fully acoustic here. What more could a girl want than mandolin and accordion? I mean, I'm my knickers are, are off, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's such a great sound. It nostalgifies me mm. to the earlier Tull stuff, the more folk-oriented eras of Tull. It's great. It's beautiful to see that that is something that Ian still is composing for, still is putting out. I, it's so delightful. The nostalgification level is high. Also remember, to go back to what we were just talking about, probably another reason a lot of the songs in this were shorter is because they're working remotely. Everybody's working remotely. So my thought is this is probably another one of those, I don't know if Ian can play the squeeze box, but everything else in this song, he probably played himself. I imagine he did play a lot of the tracks. I don't think that he played the accordion. No, I don't think so. And I don't think he played the bass, although he may have done. Oh, that's true. I forgot there is bass in here. Yeah. With lonely demons are put to yeah, so this was a, a limited contribution from the band. Ian pulled in most of the parts himself, most likely. But it definitely it definitely sounds like he is on the acoustic guitar track. Hard to choose to choose between them. I would say that that is that the tambourine has that typical Andersonian flair to it. Yeah. So send them home to stumble in and toss them the penny whistle, obviously. The penny whistle, oh my gosh, delightful. And then, of course, the flute, switching it up toward... Oh, that's right, yeah. ...the two minutes and 30 seconds of the song. Even though the flute is also a relatively high instrument, it does create a good shift in tone because that penny whistle is so bright and piercing. It's great. I just, I love that tune that he comes up with in the beginning of it that echoes a couple other mm. times in the song. It sounds traditional. Yeah. Without necessarily being traditional. I, I oh, It's so fun. It's very, very similar in delivery and necessity, I, I would say, from what we hear the flute in like Zealot G and, and Shoshana. It carries that theme through. It's that brightness. We hear everything else working beneath it, but that flute always comes back and reminds us, this is our ditty. This is our theme. Yeah. Yeah, it's grounding. Yeah. You're grounded. Oh, no. His voice in this. Great. Delightfully light, very comfortable register. It's higher than some of the other stuff we've heard recently, and it doesn't sound like he's straining. It doesn't sound like it hurts. It's nice. It's really good in this one. It's high and light, but it's supported. It doesn't sound wispy. It sounds... He's got those... 
he's got those low undertones that support mm. those high notes, you know, that kind of depth of flavor. Yeah. His voice is now even more textured than it was before, and he's really taking advantage of it, and it, it, it really works. You know, it's like the it's like the Japanese aesthetic of wabi sabi. Yes, it's too spicy for me. I don't eat. I don't eat. That's <laughs> wabi sabi is when is the aesthetic of something being worn and having a being aged a little bit, having a patina on it. Mm. It's like you know you have a you have a wooden bench. And that's very nice. But if you leave the wooden bench outside for several years, it gets that weathered kind of look to it that they're like, ooh, in that aesthetic, it's like, oh, that's what we want. That's cool. Yeah, it's an appreciation for that aesthetic. Yes. Cool. So I would say that Ian is in his Wabi Sabi era. For sure. With his voice. Absolutely, yeah. It was never bad, but it's it has aged, it has patinaed. Like a fine wine. Like a fine wine, like, like a cheese and wine barrel. <laughs> a wine barrel made out of cheese. I like that. An Oki Gouda Chardonnay. There are cheeses that are made with wine. That I know, yeah. Nick, anything else to say about the music of this song? Oh gosh, I mean, there's not a whole lot. I mean, it's fairly simple. The musicality is delightful. It, it keeps that theme running. We hear all of the instrumentation. They're all layered very well. It's manufactured and edited and produced very well. It's pretty similar to what we've been saying the last couple of episodes. Is it's It sounds good. Sounds good. I like it. There's some lovely bass work by Mr. Goodyear, and and there are also some fun moments where there's sort of a, a stop, you know, where Ian is singing, and then all the instruments will go, you know, dum dum dum, yeah, dum dum dum, boom. He sings on. That's delightful. With lonely demons are put to test. Why should we worry? Why should we care? A nice touch. Very simple, like everybody has used it once or twice, but like it's it's a good touch. Not Bon Jovi. Well, Bon Jovi is in another level. They're in another category. A lower. It's a lower level for what it's worth. <laughs> it's it's off to the side. Yes. It's down the Mobius strip of music. It's where you put the kindergartners who eat paste. <laughs> <laughs> I think a theme for this album so far is Songs that have a very heavy content being paired with instrumentation that is very lighthearted. Lighthearted. And that's not across the board. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I would use the word lighthearted. Maybe just like less dense, you know, just a, of a lighter variety. You know, lighthearted is, to me, has like a positivity. And I guess this song does have a positivity, yeah. I think the music of it is very, feels very cheerful. Yeah, okay. I'll give it to you even though it's about armed horsemen slaughtering some sex workers. Ladies of the evening. Let's talk about that in the second portion of our show, coming up very soon. Very soon. So here we are. We are in the halfway. I just spent a good, a good long time opening a bottle of homemade booch that was yep. close to exploding in the studio would not be good. I don't have paper towels. I would have to use my skirt. That wouldn't go great. Yeah. So today, we're not going to talk anybody personnel-wise. We are going to talk kind of the last bit of blurb that I have to talk about, about the album itself, Zealot Gene Proper. 
Blurb it to us, Nick. So in the album itself, there's a, a bit of a written up blurb. Never one for clinging to a formula, Ian Anderson found new horizons and new topics for musical sorties, which sometimes confounded expectations as the fans grew older and more staid, perhaps, in their musical taste. Mm -hmm. Very true. I mean, we do have a lot of those stubborn folks who want to keep hearing Stormwatch, you know, or the, the folk ears. And sure. if I'm honest, like, before we started this podcast, there were albums that I just did not like. I didn't appreciate. Well, that's the case. That's the case for any artist who works long term. You can't keep making the same sound over and over again. Yeah. And so there are people who prefer Taylor Swift's early stuff. There are people who prefer her pop stuff. There are people who really, really love her her singer-songwriter phase. Yeah. I'm not any of those people. Yeah, I, I don't like any of it. Thank you. So that quote, I think, is a, is a really a great way to encompass the fans' relationship in general, the group of fans with Tall and Ian. And it's, like I said, it's like taken over four years of a podcast for me to really recognize and appreciate that. Yeah. My favorite chunk from that blurb, though, is probably the longest album in the making. Certainly for Tull, it sits quietly in the pantheon of Tull catalog awaiting its fate. A damp squib, a triumphant return to the heady days of the 70s, could turn out to be somewhere in between, ponders Anderson. Quote, I remember the completion of the Aqualung album when, after a long night completing the final mixes, I sat down to a bleary-eyed cafe breakfast with John Evan, the keyboard player. What do you think? Will people go for it? We nervously asked each other. Not sure, we both replied. And that just really humanizes Ian, I think, that even from Aqualung to zealot gene yeah he has and i don't know if it's it's intentional but he's kind of developed this persona of being like this mythical figure sure but it's still really nice to for him to be like at zealot gene 40 50 years later he's like i don't know if they're gonna like it we'll see well and the truth is you you never know when you put something out into the world in any kind of art form you never really know how people are going to react to it yeah that's the exciting thing about performance you work so hard to create something, and no matter what your expectations are, they're not going to be met. Yeah. They're going to be, you know, the reactions are going to be different from what you thought. I, I really liked the quote. I forget where we found it, if it was you who read it or I did, but he said, surely some people are going to see this album and assume that I've undergone some kind of new age conversion. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And some are going to think it's just, you know, tearing down religion. And the fact is, it's neither. Yeah. It's just some songs that are inspired from the text from the Bible. Yeah. And everyone is going to have a very different reaction to that. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a really valuable perspective to have, I think. Yeah. And this album is still awaiting its fate. It's a, it's a year old. You know, it's just over a year old. It can't even have solid food. <laughs> Don't give it honey yet. Is it two years old for, for honey? No, I think a year old is okay, right? I don't remember. When do you stop breastfeeding? Them? Consult your doctor. 18. 18 months? Years? Weeks? Oops. Let's move on. <laughs> Who knows? Omen, do you know the origin of damp squib? I don't. Really? I don't actually, no. Oh, wait a minute. I, I think I do. Yeah, you must know what a squib is, right? My guess is that it has something to do with the old musket and powder guns. Black powder guns isn't a squib, a paper cartridge that holds the powder. 
present day, a squib is a blank used in like theater or, or movies. But yeah, that's what a squib was in the beginning. And the idea of a damp squib is the damp squib doesn't go off. It doesn't light up. Right. It doesn't explode. So therefore, a damp squib is... It doesn't fire. Anticlimactic, disappointing. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. You have to keep your powder dry. Yeah. That's actually a fairly... For those people who have heard the, the phrase but don't quite follow it, it's a, a mondegreen to hear damp squid. But it, it doesn't work, but damp squid makes more sense if you don't know what the hell a squib is. Right, because squibs should not be damp, but squids should be damp at the minimum. Yeah, at least damp. Yeah. Get them a mist, a fine mist. Spritz a sp- shrimp squibs. <laughs> squid, squid spritz. There we go. There we go. You got it. You got it. Thank you. Nick, hello, and welcome to the text analysis portion of our program. This is Sad City Sisters, and the reference that Ian puts underneath the song title is Ezekiel, one of my favorite types of bread, Ezekiel 23, verses 2 through 11. What is an Ezekiel bread? Ezekiel bread is a type of bread made from sprouted grains, Mm. and it actually refers to a verse from Ezekiel which has a recipe in it, which basically says, take your barley and your oats and your and your lentils and sprout them and then make bread of them. The seedier and grainier the bread, the better, in my opinion. Speaking of seedy... Ooh, perfect. Do you have that text on hand? That I do. Why don't you give us your finest recitation from El Biblio? Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother... And they committed whoredoms in Egypt. They committed whoredoms in their youth. There were their breasts pressed, and there they bruised the teats of their virginity. And the names of them were Ahola the elder and Aholiba her sister. And they were mine, and they bare sons and daughters. Thus were their names Samaria is Ahola and Jerusalem Aholiba. And Ahola played the harlot when she was mine, and she doted on her lovers, on the Assyrians, her neighbors, which were clothed with blue captains and rulers, all of them desirable young men, horsemen riding upon horses. Mm -hmm. Thus she committed her whoredoms with them, with all them that were the chosen men of Assyria, and with all on whom she doted, with all their idols she defiled herself. Mm. Neither left she her whoredoms brought from Egypt, for in her youth they lay with her, and they bruised the breasts of her virginity, and poured their whoredom upon her. Wherefore I have delivered her into the hand of her lovers, into the hand of the Assyrians upon whom she doted. These discovered her nakedness. They took her sons and her daughters, and slew her with the sword. And she became famous among women, for they had executed judgment upon her. And when her sister Ahaliba saw this, she was more corrupt in her inordinate love than she, and in her whoredoms more than her sister in her whoredoms. (laughs) Dangling pronouns in there, just so you know. Not the only thing that's dangling. Ooh, girl, it's warm out. Wow, okay, so... So... Can we paraphrase that? Do we have to? Do we want to? First of all, I just want to say, who who has not in their youth committed a whoredom or two? Right? Here's where I'm struggling with this, Nick. Yeah. It seems like, you know, society. Current, present day society. 
Society present day, but also society in general. Society. Has always, historically, in most cultures, sought to oppress or limit women's autonomy, especially when it comes to their sexual expression and their governance of their own bodies. Correct. And so what I'm struggling with is to see what is the value of this story that is basically, to paraphrase, those hoes had it coming. Yeah, what what do we learn from this? I can't imagine that Ian took it so out of context. I agree. I agree. And I'm excited to jump into his lyrics because I think that there is more there to unpack than, than what we have in Ezekiel at face value. Because I think, I think what we have in Ezekiel is don't be a whore, don't sleep around, don't be promiscuous mm-hmm. because there is a biblical precedent for even the people who care about you selling you out to the ravening hordes of horsemen who will destroy you and kill you. As you deserve. As you deserve, yeah. quote unquote. I would love to know, though Aloha and Ahaliba committed their whoredoms, I would love to know how many of those horsemen were sleeping around with any number of women who were committing whoredoms. Well, and I think, right, and I think that part of this is because it's the Old Testament, it's not so much like other tribes, the Assyrians, if you will, or the Egyptians, they're so foreign that it's kind of like they don't even count. Mm. What I mean is, it's not even that, you know, okay, they were committing whoredoms. They were committing whoredoms with non-members. Foreigners, strangers. Yes, yes, with with this other culture, with these, you know. We've been seeing a lot of this in these last couple of songs, Don't Stray Out of the Tribe. Well, golly. For any number of things, yeah. And aren't we seeing that in our modern society? Uh, we are, yeah. But how, how would you have good food if you didn't stray out of your tribe? How would, you ha- how would you have different genes if you didn't stray out of your tribe? And a lot of Ezekiel is, I think Ezekiel is, is where it says, this is what you should eat. This is how you should dress. No shellfish, thank you very much. I'll pass. I'll pass on the shrimp. Here's what is okay. Here's what's not okay. Yeah. And so, yes, you wouldn't have any exciting new flavors if you didn't stray out of your tribe. But on the other hand, if you didn't have that tribalism throughout history, you wouldn't have necessarily had as strong a development of different food styles and and cuisines. Yeah. And actually, that is kind of an issue with the Hasidic community right now is they are not spreading out. They're kind of really limiting their gene pool and it's they're having trouble kind of maintaining the order of things, the, the growing or at least maintaining their tribe, you know? Yeah, there's a similar problem in some communities in the South Pacific. Oh, sure, yeah. Where there's only five families on an island and there are very strict rules about who you can and can't marry because they there is a social taboo against incest. Oh gosh, that makes it even harder. Which is good. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, but... <laughs> but, that, but that makes it even harder because everyone's your cousin. Do they start to get a little more lenient on, on those rules, on the rigidity? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think that the key to this text is not the fact that the sisters were killed for their alleged sins. I think what's interesting about it is there were two sisters. Mm-hmm. And the first one committed whoredoms and 
in retribution, she was chopped up by the Assyrians. She was punished for her illicit behavior. Right. That's sort of like, okay, we get it. Thing, interesting thing. What does the sister do, Omen? The sister learns nothing. The sister has an opportunity to repent mm -hmm. and says, no, I'm going to whore even harder. Yeah, I, that's, I mean, is it, oh, those bitches be crazy. They don't learn their lesson, you know? Is that what we're looking at here? Is it like, how dare you kill my sister for this? In revenge, you know, I'm going to whore even more. Is it a great big middle finger? Or is it a lack of understanding of cause and effect? Is it right. kind of like RIP to her, but I'm different? Yeah, right. Or, yeah. I don't know. What's the lesson? And maybe, maybe there's context that we're missing. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'm not certain about is this text is written in the first person, but I'm not sure who the first person is. Right, yeah. That certainly is context. I mean, is that Ezekiel? It is Ezekiel's story, yes. Oh, and Ahola played the harlot when she was mine. What does that mean? And she doted on her lovers. Did he partake in her whoredoms? Is this her father talking? Is this her brother? Like, wh where is the, where's the ownership there? You know? Oh, I got it. We just missed a line. We just missed a line. The word of the Lord came again to me saying, and then the rest is a quote from God. Okay, so God punished the harlots. I mean, not a surprise, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Right, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, there were two, there were two women. So, so God is saying, these used to be, they were in my care, they were Jews, and they committed their whoredoms in Egypt, but even after they left Egypt, and there was really no excuse, they kept whoring. Yeah. And then they hoard with the Assyrians, and they hoard with the horsemen of this place, and so I had to kill them. Yeah. Right, I had to kill them, I had to let them be killed, I, yeah. This is crime and punishment. God is saying to Ezekiel, here's the lesson, don't be like, spread the word that this is not okay. Yeah, take responsibility for your actions, these are the consequences. In so many words. If we go to Ian's text, Yep. Let's go to Sad City Sisters. I feel like what we have here is he's seeing a modern scene mm -hmm. and he is inspired. It reminds him of the story of Ezekiel and the two sisters. Mm -hmm. Hard to choose to choose between them. Tramps on a night out, out of season. Bare legs and arms at the taxi stand, shoes in hand, cold curb to freeze on. Hard to choose to choose between them. Tramps on a night out, out of season. Bear legs and arms at the taxi stand Shoes and hand cold curve to freeze on well, He's driving around. He sees some ladies of the evening. And he's like, oh, it's like those, it's like the whores of, yeah. of Ezekiel. Yeah, they're, they're not dressed for the season. That's what out of season is. They've got bare legs and arms. It's a cold curb. Right. They're clearly dressed for work. Or that's his interpretation. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. Maybe they were having a bachelorette party. A hen do, as they say. A hen don't. <laughs> hen don't. Yeah. What desperation, what souls possessed with lonely demons are put to test? What desperation, what souls possessed with lonely demons are put to test? 
Is he trying to fathom the desperation that would lead someone into sex work? I think so. Yeah. What has brought you to this point? What lonely demons have, have driven you here? Roxanne. You don't have to put on the red light. You don't got to put on that red dress. Red light. Roxanne. You don't have to sell your body to the night. That's right. Roxanne. You don't have to put on the red light. Those days are over. You don't have to sell your body to the night. That's more like the narrator in that is like, I love you and I will support you so you don't need to do it. Well, and that's what I want. Thank you so much for bringing that up and reminding me of that because... That's what I'm here for. I, I wanted to mention that there is a whole theme within poetry and art, with mm. the poetry and art of men. Sure. Which is that storyline, that trope of, oh, she's a prostitute. She's an ill-reputed woman, but I can save her. Yeah. I can save her reputation. I can save her her soul if she just will have sex with me. Right, yeah. For free, instead of having sex with other people for money, mm -hmm. then I'll save her. Yeah. And I'll be the hero who also gets a hot girlfriend. Right. And so I feel like there is at least a reference to that trope in this song. It's Pretty Woman. Isn't that the premise of Pretty Woman? That's the premise of Pretty Woman. Yeah. Wow. Biblical. Who knew? So the next verse, it really, or the next half of that second verse, it really brings the, brings a question mm -hmm. into uh -huh. the, the mix here. Why should we worry? Why should we care the warrior horseman shame defile them? Why tip the cabbie plus his fare? Why should we worry? Why should we care? The warrior horseman's shame defiles him. Why tip the cabbie plus his fare? I didn't have a, a solid question about why tip the cabbie until we watched the music video. And that's like the one line that the puppet slash whore says, strangely enough. I don't know if that's relevant at all. So this part leads me to believe, like, what can we do about it? Why should we care about it? Right, right. This has been going on literally since biblical times. Right. What good can I do to change that? And this is all, for the record, this is all completely old world thinking. You know, present day, we are thinking, empower your body. If you want to sex work, you sex work. Sex work is work. Assuming you are not being trafficked or coerced into it, obviously. Right. If you have autonomy, you do what you want. Yeah. I have a theory. About this next portion, or in general? About this song. It's called Relativity. Now hear me out. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a theory which, which is based on the, the verse that you just read. Okay. Why should we worry? Why should we care when warrior horsemen shame and defile them? Okay. So the Ezekiel, in, in Ezekiel, God is saying... They continued their whoredoms, therefore they had to die by the hand of their lustful lovers. Like you said earlier, they got what was coming to them. Right. And yeah. that's that problem solved. Let that be a lesson to you. Mm -hmm. What I think is happening in this, in this song is that Ian is seeing people out on the street, or the singer is seeing people out on the street. It, also, it almost reminds me of 
oh my gosh is it orion where it's like seeing the people stumbling home seeing the the waiters linked arms you might actually be right with orion holy cow i'll let you think about that but i think he's seeing people whom he assumes is in this quote-unquote bad position and he he's projecting and saying oh wow they're in this desperate situation and he feels a sense of wanting to take care of them, a sense of compassion. Human compassion, not I want to make you my pretty wife. Right. Yeah. And then checking that compassion with the Old Testament and saying, well, wait a minute, shouldn't I not care because they are sinning and therefore it doesn't matter what happens to them? And then rechecking it by saying, well, why do we do anything? Why do we tip the cabbie even though it's not legal? I think what he's saying... That's awesome. He's taking this story that is Old Testament and he is applying a New Testament Christ-like view to it because Christ happily hung out with prostitutes. Yeah, Mary Magdalene. Yes, to go back to Orion, spot the f*** on. Last verse. And young girls shiver as they wait by lonely bus stops after sad parties, no one to take them home, to greasy bedsitters and make a late night play for lost virginity a thousand miles away. I'm very impressed. I can't remember my own license plate number, but lyrics from a tall song six months ago, I got it. Oh my God, years ago, years ago. I will, I'll find the date on that, but you haven't done four plus years of a podcast about your license plate number. About my license plate. <laughs> oh, I have, but no one listened no to it. Yeah, no one subscribed it's to that one. Very dull. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Linger license to me? No, Pontificate know. plates to me? There you go. I like that one. But what do you think of that? What do you think of that kind of like taking the Old Testament story and applying a New Testament vision to it? Yes, Orion was 11 16 2021. So November, two years ago, a year and a half. So, good noggin. You asked me a question. I'm sorry, I was, I was unbearably distracted. Yeah, what do you think about my theory? <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's amazing. I think it perfectly fits and explains that twist, the two twists in the lines. The description of, oh, these women, the description of hellfire and brimstone for what they're doing, and then why tip the cabbie? It's perfect. I could not find an explanation to that line in my head. And then throughout the rest of the song, it kind of is playing with the imagery of the Old Testament. So send them home to stumble in and toss their knickers in the bin. Yeah, just get rid of them. Repentance looms, then melts away, mocked by dark, unearthly silence, replaced by incubus at play. So send them home to stumble in and toss their knickers in the bin. Repentance looms, then melts away, mocked by dark, unearthly silence, replaced by incubus at play. Repentance is... You have a chance for it, and then it's mocked and replaced by incubuses. An incubus is a sex demon, basically. A sex demon, yes. The female equivalent is a succubus. Indeed. And then, to support my theory, let's go all the way 
to the last couple of lines. Ready. Guilty Eros had his day, hands two sad souls to Agape. Guilty Eros had his day, hands two sad souls to Agape. Eros and Agape are, of course, two of the several many forms, words, Greek words for love. Yeah. Eros is also the god of love. Yeah. It's a name for Cupid. In Christianity, agape is the highest form of love, i.e. charity, which if he were helping these women, he would be charitable. It's also defined as being spontaneous and unmotivated. Oh. Sort of like a love for all of humanity, a very Christ-like love. Altruism. 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 Yeah. Al... <laughs> Come down to altruisms, finally. <laughs> the name's Al. Truism. Truism. Altruism. <laughs> Whereas Eros is the desirous love, the acquisitive love, the I want that. It is subjective. Physical. Sexual. If you're lucky. Yeah. Well, I guess what he's perhaps experienced is, let's say you saw a sex worker on the street and you're, you had this realization because your instinct was, oh my gosh, they look cold. You know, somebody should reach out and be compassionate toward them instead of, ah, oh, those naughty hers. Or those bad people should be punished for what they're doing. That kind of like spontaneous, oh, humanity moment. Yeah. Guilty Eros had his day. Again, sexual, physical. He had his day. He has used them. They are no longer useful to him. Hands two sad souls to agape. Once they've done their, their thing and they are no longer useful, all they are is objects of pity and charity. The difficulty that I have with both the biblical verse and to a certain extent with this song, not the writing of it, of course, but the, the subject is that all of it is, is kind of objectifying to women right and to and to sex workers who are not all women correct correct in this instance yes and it is i mean it is a very new like you said sex workers work it is a very new idea and mindset to get into for that i think i guess yeah i mean i think that i wonder if there were societies in which that was seen that was better regarded I feel like there were. I feel like it was, in, in some cultures, it was an okay thing. I feel like it's one of those things that it's it's okay if you're rich. <laughs> right, or like, it's okay that woman is a prostitute. She still doesn't have power or bodily autonomy or anything like that, but like, that's just her job, you know? Right. Like, those kids in the factory making tennis shoes or... Right, right, right. It's when women engaging in sex work also gain autonomy and control and power over themselves and start to negotiate for a place in society that the patriarchy starts to get very uncomfortable. Oh, sure. Look at Stormy Daniels. She gets a lot of hate. For standing up for herself? Yeah. It cannot be removed from the rest of that lawsuit and malarkey that's going on you know no, it's but, not just her but no but sex workers in general get a lot of hate and right. and have to deal with a lot of nonsense yeah anything else from the lyrics that we want to talk about 
No, I, I think, like you said earlier, that there are each couplet, each verse in here really just kind of cements the ideal of either pity them, punish them, or be charitable toward them in various degrees. Wow. But the question that I think isn't asked is, what do those whores want? What do they want? Yeah. Do they want your pity? Do they want your charity? Or do they want your money? Or do they want you to not f***ing worry about them? Yeah, right. They don't give a shit if you go to Starbucks and work for 12 hours a day. You shouldn't care about them. Again, unless they're being trafficked and then it's, it's definitely... Well, that so, is different, yeah. yeah. Or do they worry about you working your job? Oh, yeah. He has to sit at a desk for 12 hours. Boy, that sucks. Imagine I would love to reverse it and have have a, a sex worker come into an office and be like, I want to take you away from all this. Let me save you. Let me rescue you. Just Bob in accounting. Rescue me! <laughs> How can you live like this? I'm so lonely. What are we recording and talking tall about next week? Next week, we are flipping the album and talking Baron Beth Wild Desert. Oh, I really like that one. This one's fun. Yeah. This one's fun. Until next week, it is hard to choose to choose between them. And by them, I mean the various products that are on our Tee Public site. Will you choose the Talk Tall to Me branded t-shirt with the OG Tull on it, or will you choose the Tull Skull hoodie? So many choices. I, I, I request that you not let us be mocked by dark, unearthly silence. Get those stars in the sky. Get your reviews in Apple Podcasts. Let the other listeners know, and potential listeners, potential Tull Skulls, let them know how amazing this five stars across the board podcast is. Graffiti the walls of our Discord chat with your thoughts. You don't have to have your empty lives echo across the empty malls. You can have them echo across the various chat channels on our Discord that you can access for a mere $5 a month. Or... If you would like to see Warrior Horsemen shame and defile us, you can subscribe for $15 a month to our video link where you can see the actual videos of this happening. Yeah, we are on video right now. Those of you who have subscribed are seeing this. Those of you who have not can go back and watch this because you'll get access to all of the back catalog, obviously. You sure will. Obviously. Until next week, look at my bare legs and arms. I am Nick McGill. Until next week, enough! I am Omen Thomas Sade. We are tramps on a night out, the feckless moms. And the six notches on my belt say it all. Talk tell to me.
brilliant. Does she work? She's in sales. Touchstone Pictures presents the story of a date. This isn't a date, it's business. That led to a deal. I have a business proposition for you. I'm going to be in town until Sunday. I'd like you to spend the week with me. <laughs> That's becoming a dream come true. Time to shop. Get rid of your gum. All right. I don't believe you did that. You're going to be spending an obscene amount of money in here. So we're going to need a lot more help sucking up to us because that's what we really like. Oh. You understand that? Sir, if I may say so, you're in the right store and the right city for that matter. They're two people who have no business being together. Everybody is trying to land him. Well, I'm not trying to land him. I'm just using him for sex. Just doing a little business. <laughs> Company I'm buying this week, I'm getting for the bargain price of about one billion. A billion dollars? Your folks must be really proud, huh? Everything was going their way. Well done! Well done! Walk, walk, walk! Until... I don't want you to go. You hurt me. Yes. Don't do it again. Something unexpected happened. What the hell is wrong with you this week? You fell in love with him? Did I not teach you anything? Look, I'm not stupid, okay? I'm... I'm not in love with him. I can find you an apartment and get you a car. I want more. I want the fairy tale. I thank you. I'm a very special woman. Touchstone Pictures presents Nick McGill. So what happened after? He climbed up the tower and rescued her. Omen Thomas said. She rescues him right back. Talk told to me. Maybe you guys could like um, get a house together. Buy some diamonds. Oh! <laughs>